Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Rigged. It was a rigged election. People have to find out what happened. I'm Annie Reese, and this is Politico Dispatch. That clip was part of a trailer from the short film Rigged that conservative nonprofit Citizens United debuted at Mar-a-Lago earlier this year. The film contends that a donation made by Mark Zuckerberg, also known as Zuckbucks, tipped the scales in the 2020 election and has become one of the most common conspiracy theories that has persisted. All right, I am ready. This is Zach Montalaro, a state politics reporter. So this week, election officials are coming to D.C. to lobby Congress and the White House for more funding and for better security for election officials and poll workers. On the show today, how a conspiracy theory's long tail is forcing election administrators to get serious. It's not the sexiest issue, to be honest. That That's the challenge. So what we're going to talk about today, I think, all starts-ish with Zuckbucks. So for people who may not know, can you tell me about Zuckbucks and the conspiracy theory that that opened? Yeah, so Zuckbucks or Zuckerbucks or whatever you call them is the derisive name that folks use for a series of grants given out by a nonprofit called the Center for Tech and Civic Life was before the 2020 election a pretty low-key nonprofit, pretty wonky, didn't have a large footprint. But as everyone is probably aware, the 2020 election took place in an unprecedented pandemic that I hope we don't have to relitigate. Um, (laughs) So as one might expect, this put a lot of strain on just about every part of American society, and elections are not an exception to that. So Mm -hmm. CTCL gave out grants to election administrators across the country to help them fund things that they would need to do in the pandemic, It be it buying protective equipment, voter education, things like that. And it was all funded by hundreds of millions of dollars worth of grants from uh, the founder of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, hence the name Zuckbucks. Mm. What Mark Zuckerberg and his wife Priscilla Chan did was they gave this money to CTCL, who then granted it out to basically any election administrator who asked for it. According to the CTCL, nearly 2,500 election departments across the country asked for money, ranging from very, very tiny ones to very, very large ones. And so this was the thing that spawned the conspiracy theory. Can you describe that? Right. So this got some attention before the election, but it really didn't get much until after then President Trump lost the election and him and his team started throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks to try to undermine confidence in uh, the democratic process. Part of the allegations from the former president's team at the time, and that has been carried forward by other people, is that the CTCL grants were really a shadow operation to boost Democrats. Um, You know, they point to the fact that many jurisdictions that got the largest grants and got the most monetary grants are urban cities that, you know, frankly, have a higher have a higher need and a higher budget than these smaller areas where Trump supporters may have been focused on. Um, So it's kind of been. One of those conspiracy theories that's taken on a whole second life after the election that, you know, this was a secret operation that nobody knew about. It was actually pretty public at the time. But that, more importantly, that it was only really going to Democrats and it wasn't really going to Republicans. Probably goes without saying, I guess, that there's not much validity to this. Yes, it's true that Democratic 
leaning areas probably got more money when you consider that democratic leaning areas are urban areas or cities that have larger budgets and have higher needs. But at least according to CTCL, you know, this was basically spread out across the country. Grants went to nearly every state. I think it was 47 states or maybe 48 states. So not quite every state, but grants went to just about election officials, just about every state. And while the dollar amount was small, they fulfilled grants for tiny rural jurisdictions just as much as they did for, you know, massive jurisdictions like a New York City or Los Angeles County or something like that. And so how does how does Zuckbucks and the conspiracies around it explain where we're at today with what election administrators are coming to D.C. to do? So part of it is that since the election, we've seen a push in a handful of states and many states to kind of outlaw private funding of elections, saying that, you know, election officials can't take grants from private organizations. It all needs to be funded by taxpayer dollars. Connected to the Mark Zuckerberg and Priscilla Chan donation. Right. That's kind of that's the root of this. But Mm -hmm. the thing is that most election officials are probably okay with that. Uh, Election officials I have spoken to over and over again have said, if you want to brand private funding, that is more than okay with me. Uh, Most election officials that I talk to would perhaps even prefer to avoid even the allegations here that money came from the government. But we in America have an election system that is not centralized either on the federal level, certainly, or on the state level. Broadly, elections are run in a bottom-up system in most states. Most election decisions are not made by your secretary of state or not made by some large organization in D.C. like the election or large government agency in D.C., they're made by the election, your local county clerks and town clerks mm-hmm. and registrars and things like that. So, And that's where a lot of the funding comes from, too. It's long been a push and pull with election administrators who have always said, even pre-2020 election, that we need more money from somebody. We need more money. That elections are underfunded. Yeah. We need more money for somebody. If that somebody's the federal government, that would be nice, many election officials think. That somebody's a state government, that would also be nice. But somebody's a local government, that would also be nice. Um, so election officials have long said that even in a good year, so a year where there's not a massive pandemic that changes literally every single aspect of their job, it's kind of a shoestring budget. So when you have these colossal changes like you saw in 2020, it's not easy to pay for them. And, and, it's, and when it's not easy to pay for just the basics, just to keep everything running on a smooth and updated process... When you have massive crises, it becomes even harder to pay for. So that's what's bringing election workers kind of out of the woodworks, so to speak, and becoming more vocal and more active, kind of advocating to both their state governments, but especially the federal government saying, it's okay if you ban private funding, but we need more money one way or the other. And we would love if you give it to us, basically. So we don't have to rely on this private funding. So a group of them are in D.C. this week lobbying for more money, like you were saying, and also for added security, right? Right. So this week, uh, a a bunch of election officials from across the country are coming to D.C. to meet with members of Congress and folks in the White House, although they won't exactly tell me who yet, (laughs) to kind of advocate for advocate for what they've been advocating for for a while, saying we need sustained investment from the federal government in elections. When we have seen federal investment in election funding, which happens not infrequently, it doesn't happen on a predictable schedule, which is what election officials say is one of the most challenging things, that all of a sudden tacked onto a bill kind of quietly that could be, wow, a big dump of money for elections, or wow, okay, the federal government wants to update standards for election machines or something similar to that, so here's a bunch of money to handle that. That election officials say isn't something that they can plan for, that 
when it's just coming in these giant buckets and not as a reliable stream, it makes it challenging to plan for. It means sometimes folks hold on to the money that they get from the federal government because they don't know when the next pot is coming. So they kind of hold it for emergencies. It means, you know, when they do get it and if they spend it and they upgrade their machines, then they're kind of on their own for a while. So election officials of both parties and to varying degrees, I don't want to pretend that it's just universal uh, among election officials that I talk to, would like Mm -hmm. to see just that steady stream of money coming from the federal government to the states so they can more reliably cast out their budgets 5, 10, 15 years in the future instead of just being almost surprised at a last-minute dump of money that is good and helpful and no one's ever going to say no to it, but they want it more trickled out in a reliable fashion as opposed to just a wave. Yeah, it's so interesting to me that all this is happening this week because there are so many examples of the 2020 election long consequences, I think. We've got the January 6th committee hearings, which – On Tuesday, we're focusing on the pressure that Donald Trump put on the Georgia Secretary of State when he asked him to find the votes. And then we also have Philadelphia City Commissioner Al Schmidt, who testified before the January 6th committee hearing and is also here as part of the election administrators lobbying for more money and security, like you were saying. And it just feels like a week that this is all coalescing. Yeah, you know, I would say part of the challenge of being an election official, of which there are many, but part of the challenge of being an election official right now is the kind of the threats they have faced in the run up to and especially and obviously the aftermath of the 2020 election. And that's another thing they're kind of leaning on the federal government to do. How do you better protect election officials from threats? The federal government candidly has not done a very good job of that. I think back Mm -hmm. to last summer, I was in Iowa for the National Association of Secretary of States meeting, a real barn burner. (laughs) And there we had folks from the FBI and DOJ task force that's supposed to monitor threats to election workers saying, we haven't done a good job in the past. We're going to do better. I think the jury is still out on how much better they're doing. I think it's certainly better or how good they're doing, I guess, is where the jury is out. But also election officials, just they, they want more. They want potentially funding for their own threat monitoring. If and when somebody is threatened, more assistance from federal government, law enforcement in particular, to, to, to help protect officials, protect workers, and more clarifications that would make threats to election workers a crime. It is obviously a crime already to threaten a person. Mm-hmm. But to, to make it more concrete, to threaten an election worker who is doing their duties as an election official, to, to, to kind of solidify that as a, as a, as a crime. So what would it take for those election officials who are lobbying this week to get their asks? I don't know how hopeful they should be, honestly. I I think the big thing to watch is what does the president's budget look like and what does next year's budget look like? You know, this is not it seems right now that that the odds of, you know, any individual bill is not even elections in general. But, you know, it's hard to get an individual bill through Congress. So does any of this money make it into the president's budget and make it more importantly, I guess, into Congress's budget is one of the things you watch. And then also another thing they're looking for is the Electoral Count Act reform. We heard a lot about that earlier in the year and not much since. Election officials here, too, are advocating for that. All of these things, threats to election workers, funding for elections, authorizing the EAC is stuff that's always bandied about on Capitol Hill for a few weeks as the hot topic and then kind of disappears it's one of those things that there's been sustained conversations about, especially the funding bit, pre my coverage of this issue and pre-2020. It's come in waves. Most folks, when they think about elections, 
they think about they think of it as a one day thing. You show up your polling place, the sweet little old lady checks you in, you go into the booth, you, you mark your choices, you pull the lever, however your jurisdiction does it, and you leave. But reality is that's not what elections are. There is a lot more planning and a lot more preparation and a lot more elections that happen. And just Americans and politicians don't think about it other than really on one November every two to four years. Zach Montalaro, thank you so much for talking with me. Thanks, Annie. Also in the news, Twitter's board of directors again advised shareholders to approve Tesla CEO Elon Musk's $44 billion bid. Musk and Twitter agreed on a deal back in April, but the board's endorsement on Tuesday comes amid uncertainty that the deal will go through at all after Musk recently threatened to pull out of the agreement over questions about fake and spam accounts on the platform. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>